Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good to see everybody tonight. And uh, we and are... nervous. It always makes him nervous when I stand up here with him. <laughs> you, th- you see, you think we have this planned out. I do not know what she's going to do. <laughs> and I don't know what she's going to say. Well, yeah. Well, I made him nervous because he wants me to same, tell you the same illustration. And I said, uh, well, I've got another one. But that doesn't mean that I'm thinking you have another sin. <laughs> I just had another point. <laughs> Story. Well, well uh, what we're, t- we're talking about dumb things smart couples do that mess up the relationship. And, and literally, I, I said to somebody, I said, this is the easiest sermon I ever put together. I had the outline in 60 seconds, you know. <laughs> so, uh, honey, you were, we were going to yeah, have we you were gonna, start We were going to practice this week on these things, but this thought that would be dumb. <laughs> so, without any uh, practice, just having 46 years of it, probably. Um, well, one of the first things that, that came to my mind was insisting that your view is the only view. Uh, You know, refusing to find common ground, refusing, insisting on being understood more than understanding. And really, when I was almost falling asleep, when I thought of this, and I thought, oh, I got to turn the, I got to sneak the little light on my phone. I got to write this down so I don't forget. Um, But I pictured... I pictured toddlers throwing a tantrum. And as adults, we usually don't do this, but I have done it inside. I want what I want. I'm right. Have you ever done that? You know, and you see kids that just, well, I'm right. I know best for me, and I know better, and I know right. And um, I don't really stomp my feet, and I don't act like that, except for when I'm acting. But... Um, I don't throw tantrums. And we need to know tantrums never impart grace to grow. And so in a marriage, in, a, in relationships, um, insisting that your way is the only way is immature. Um, what, the opposite side of something is always going to look different. Now, I want to go to Genesis 2 and read to you what it says there. God said it was not good for man to be alone. And the word alone there meant one part only. Um, And then he said, I will make a helpmeet for him or a helper suitable for him. And helpmeet there, the word means help or aid to surround, protect, and help. And the word meet is counterpart or the opposite part, the opposite side. Um, um, A counterpart is one that complements, a duplicate that serves to complete and harmonize the other, Uh, one that closely resembles the other and supplements. Doesn't that sound sweet? (laughs) It sounds easy, but it's not. When I stand in the front of our house, I see a two-story house. That's the way it is. I see it. I can say, Dwayne, this, this house has two stories. But if he's on the other side of the house, we have a walkout. What do you see? Three. But I see two. But he sees three. 
Well, he can insist he's right, I can insist I'm right, and, and our perspective is different. And the wonderful thing about marriage is that you both have different perspectives. And, um, okay, I'm gonna share a story that he doesn't know is coming. <laughs> but this is, a, this is a good one. Is it good? Really? I think so. Okay. <laughs> you can vote afterwards. Um, so, Dwayne, he likes uh, biking, fishing, hunting, swimming, preaching, reading, studying. If you'll notice in that list, there's a not a lot of time for good conversation when you're, I mean, we've been on the tandem bike and trust me, I try to have conversation. I talk. I don't know if he's listening or he can hear me, but I talk to him anyway. And we used to go running together and that was really great because I could, I could talk and he would listen. And who wants to talk while you're walking? Except for me, I got really good at breathing and talking because I so like to communicate. Most women are the more communicators. We love to have conversation. Does anybody here want to have conversations? It's good and, and it's, um, it's natural and it's right, um, but it sometimes is an opposite side. So I like to have conversations and I have to confess that one of our traditions, habits, one of the grooves that we're in, because Dwayne really likes to take advantage of his time well and schedule, is he wants to read. So when we're in the car, we have a car book. And that book sits in the car, and I read to him while he drives. I get six pages done between here and home on Sunday and, and the store. Sometimes he'll take me shopping just because he wants some more of the book read. I mean, we just, so, and we travel a lot, so we get a lot of pages written, uh, read. Yeah, read. Written isn't a word, read. And, and so, um, but there's sometimes I have to, I want to say something and I want to talk about something and, and he'll like, no, just read and tell me later. Um, and of course, later I don't remember. And later he'll say, okay, what did you want? I don't know. It hit me then. That's when it was, I needed to communicate it. So I, I have to confess that, that I have felt rejected a little bit when he says, just read, just read. And, and, uh, and I've had to battle with, okay, and I have this self-talk going on I can, I can think while I'm reading and not even know what I'm reading. That's bad, but, you know. Anyway, I, so I'm having this self-talk going on um, of telling me he's not rejecting you. He loves you. He's just focused. He's disciplined. He's scheduled. Lord, I, help me not to whine and complain and just enjoy this because I really, the truth is I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning with him. I enjoy driving with him. I love all that. But um, sometimes it just, I feel this little wound and I, like it hurts. And so I thought, oh, how do I communicate this with him? Because I, 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 want him, I want him to understand. I could just go the rest of my life with him not understanding and me just reading and every once in a while feeling rejected and trying to communicate and getting told to just read. <laughs> that needed a kiss. <laughs> So, so I asked, I, I asked God, I said, help me, help me understand him better, 
and help me help him understand me. I don't he doesn't want me to feel rejected and I don't want to feel those get those feelings. I, and I, I so what's the deal? And then God just I believed gave me this word picture and it helped me understand and I I told him I said, "Okay, my heart, I need conversation. I love communication time, not just to talk to you, but hear you talk to me. And so for you to tell me, no talking, just read, is kind of probably like if you want and need sex, and I would say to you, nope, just sleep. Just sleep now. Maybe tomorrow. Just sleep. Okay, you know, we both have needs that are legitimate and true and right. And, and so when I, it was really interesting because I just gave him that story and he looked at me, he blinked a few times and he didn't say anything. But we've had a lot of good conversations since then. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I love you. I, I love, love you. you. Too. It, it took us 46 years to get to that. So just, just telling you, don't quit. Don't quit growing and learning. And that's probably one of the another big mistakes that couples make yeah. is they quit. They quit trying. You just quit trying. You quit trying to understand each other. You quit trying. You quit listening. And um, those are big mistakes. It's your turn. Okay. And I am bad at that. You what? know that. Yeah. About. Just read. Oh. We should be reading, and the Holy Spirit fell in Samaria. They laid their hands upon them, and the man should stop at the next rest stop because his wife needs to use the restroom. She just puts it right in the book. I have to insert it in there, whatever I need to say, so it's sneaky. Okay. All right, all right. Number, t- number, next, number two. Okay. Either unknowingly or knowingly, we... we uh, Put other things ahead of our marriage in priority or importance. Knowingly or unknowingly, we put other things ahead of our marriage in importance. Um, when God created man and he's, he's bringing Eve and, and he says, you know, for this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and the two will be united and the two will become one flesh. Jesus said the two become one. Right? The two are, they're no longer two, Jesus said, but they are one. Well, what some do in, in their marriage relationship is they let other things or people become more important in priority than their marriage. Now, once you're married, you're, you're, the two of you are no longer two, but you're one. Right? And the only thing that should be more important to me then my relationship with Jeannie is my relationship with God. Other than that, she's number one, right? So once we're in this marriage relationship, we're one, and everything is co-owned, and everything is co-administered, okay? So that means that if Jeannie says to me, uh, I don't like you hanging around with that person anymore, you know, that friendship, I don't think that's a good friendship for you. Well, I don't say to her, well, that's my friend. Because everything is co-owned and co-administered, including my friendships. 
So if she says that's no good, then it's no good. And right? that's not a license to manipulate um, e each yeah. other and get what you want. Um, it's not like, oh, you know what? He drives an ugly car, so you should quit hanging with him. You know, it's not this childish nitpicking no. kind of thing. It's, it's if I discern that, you know, that, that is just some not good influence or, you know, he's just robbing you and taking you down. But it's, hill, it's right? my time. Yeah. It's friendships. It's hobbies. It's kids. It's money. It's, it's all of those. Um, quite often in a relationship, there'll be one person who becomes very dominant, controls the money controls everything, right? But what is supposed to happen is everything is supposed to be co-owned and co-administered, right? So we, we're together, we decide what we're gonna do. Uh, one of the places that you often see this, particularly in our culture today, where many people have second and third marriages, is when it comes to the kids. See, when you get married, everything that you are and everything that you have, right, is co-owned, right? So somebody gets married, second marriage, they say, well, you can't talk to my kid like that. No, they're not just your kid, they're their kid too, right? And when you hold something back, the other person, listen, will become jealous. And it's not a bad jealousy, it's a godly jealousy. God said this, he said, you shall not have any gods before me because I am a jealous God. Now, is God wrong to be jealous? No, he's not wrong to be jealous because he should be our number one relationship. And anything we put ahead of him is an idol. And God says, I'll be jealous of that because I need to be number one. Now, in our marriage, our spouse needs to be number one, right? Not our friends, not our hobbies, not our job. Right? All of those things are good things, but they have to be co-owned and co-administered, right? Uh, a spouse has a really a godly jealousy. The, to the degree, when you get married, right, everything is co-owned and co-administered, including your body. I want to read to you just a little bit out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, certainly... But only within certain contexts. For it's good for a man to have a wife and for a wife to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Right? Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a time, if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting. But only for such times, then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. So when you get married, your body doesn't belong to you. Your body belongs to your spouse. And your spouse's body belongs to you. When we get married, everything is co-owned and co-administered. And whenever you let anything, uh, you, you, you withdraw it from the relationship, right? It harms the relationship. 
right? And the spouse rightfully begins to be jealous because there's something that's taking my place. Just like God says, when something else takes my place, I'm a jealous God. And when something takes the, 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 the place that your spouse should have, there is a righteous, godly, godly jealousy. And it happens when we make a wrong choice and we let something become more important to us than our relationship with our spouse, other than our relationship with God. I, I know in the, when you've been single for a long time, a longer time, it seems easier for younger um, people when they get married to just adapt easily and, and to um, lean on each other and, and put it together. But when you've been single, it's really easy to go into the marriage and as a single person with a single perspective. I've got my life. I've got my income. I've got my, sometimes, my kids, your kids. And, and, and you can just say, we're just uh, two singles living together under the Mr. and Mrs. Um, and with that perspective, you're going to miss out on some of the happiness, the, the reason why you wanted that marriage and that relationship. Um, because you, you don't want to be alone means that don't live like you're alone. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't want to be lonely, then then love and serve and give and, and appreciate and you do the things that, that um, cause a, a great, cause the relationship to grow. And I, I think we, we call these things dumb things because so many of these are just little, they're just, just kind of like um, rumble bumps on the highway. You just kind of get off there and then you don't know, you know, just, just a little move, just I moved a little in this way and they can be little steps that really take away from the joy of, of growing and learning together to be one. Mm -hmm. uh, the third thing that we wanted to mention is blaming your spouse when you're not happy with your life. Blaming your spouse when you're not happy with your life. Because that's because you think that your spouse is your source of, of joy, happiness, yeah. and joy. Uh, I love what David said in Psalms 87. He, he said, all the springs and sources of my joy are in you. Now, when, see, marriage was not designed to make you happy. Your relationship with God was designed to make you happy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? That's where our joy, our happiness is supposed to come from. But when you don't look to God, listen, you automatically look to the person that is the closest to you. If you don't look to God, you will automatically look to the person that's closest to you. And you will blame them for whatever situation you find yourself in or the emptiness that you find in yourself. Right? But marriage, again, was not designed for that. The kingdom of God was designed for that. The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. I, I love what it says over in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, you loved righteousness, hated lawlessness, therefore the Lord your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. It, it, you see, the gladness, the joy, the happiness that we're looking for, it's in our relationship with God. It's in the kingdom of God. And if you think any other person 
could make you happy, uh, you're going to be disappointed. It's it's like a physical impossibility. Like you could say, well, I just want to walk through that wall. Well, I'm sorry. You probably aren't going to in this body walk through that wall. But it doesn't matter how much you think you want to do it. And it's and that's the same. Nobody else is going to make you happy. Um, But the real happiness is definitely uh, it's a spiritual thing to have the satisfaction and the joy of, of, of hearing and knowing God and having that part in your heart um, that you were made for relationship with God uh, first. You were made for relationship with God and then with, with each other. So, um, and no, no blaming. You know, if when you think, and we've seen different couples that come for help and they've got this issues, things going on, and um, you can pretty much tell right away that they're not going to listen to a word you say once they start blaming, oh, well, this is, uh, if he would, or if she would only, oh, it's her, you know, it's her fault, it's this fault, and, and um, the, the blaming game just will not... Um, not function. It won't, it's not a healthy thing to not stop and say, what is my part? What do I need? Um, turn, turn it around. And I've had, I've had, um, I've had wives that really cut me off, decided that they'd had enough when I tried to help them see down the road of, okay, if you make this decision today, um, are you going to be happy with what you get? Cause this is what you're going to get. And, um, you know, they wanted, they wanted to blame the husband. And if I tried to turn it around and say, what can you do? Where's your part? How can you be a better wife? It was like, no, I don't want to hear that. I just want to hear what's wrong with him and how he needs to get fixed. And it can go both ways where you just don't tolerate any, um, any growing, any confrontation uh, with yourself. Okay. Uh, then we wanted to uh, finish tonight with the words of Jesus. That is, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, can we divorce our wife for just any reason? And Jesus said to them, have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said, well, why did Moses permit us to divorce our wives or command us, giving us a certificate of divorce? And Jesus said, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. He said, but from the beginning, it was not so. All right. And, and, and by the way, it's interesting that both of the questions that they asked, Jesus takes them back to the beginning. He said, in the beginning, he said, he made them male. He made them female. He said, and in the beginning, God joined them together. And what God has joined together, don't separate. So I wanted to point out, just because of where our crazy culture is, all right? When God ordained marriage, and God ordained marriage, he ordained marriage for one man and one woman, right? And he made you either a man or a woman, right? Genesis 1.27 said that he created them male and female. That's the way God created you. Right? Now, if you're confused, you're confused, but that's who you are. 
right? You are who God created you to be. But Jesus said every time there's a divorce, he said there's one reason. Every time. He said it's because of the hardness of your heart. Right? That's why Jesus said God permitted Moses to let you divorce. He said because of hardness of heart. Right? So every time there's a divorce, there's at least one hard heart. You say, what's a hard heart? Well, Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. A tender heart forgives. A hard heart refuses to forgive. Right? It's really pretty simple. Now, it's impossible to live with somebody for 46 years, 365 days a year, 24-7, and not have them say or do something stupid. It is impossible. Right? And if you take or, that... Or not say or do something they should. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if they do something and you refuse to forgive... You get a hard heart. And when you get that hard heart, it's really like putting sunnies on. You know, if you put on a dark pair of glasses, everything looks dark. And when, when you refuse to forgive, it's like you're putting these dark sunglasses on. And everything that you see is tainted. Right? And Jesus said that hard heart causes you to want to separate from your spouse. So literally, if we refuse to forgive, there's only two things that can happen. One is that we have a bad marriage. And number two is we end up in a divorce court. That's all that can happen. Right? Somebody said, well, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be like Jesus. Right? Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss and he says, friend. Jesus is being crucified on a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what, they're gonna, what, they're, what they do. Jesus told us in Mark 11, he said, every time, you, every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. And here's the truth. If you will forgive your spouse, you will fall in love with that person a thousand times. You will, you, you will, you will just fall in love with them again and again and again and again. Right? But when we don't forgive, it affects everything that we see. It affects our attitudes and Jesus said, it brings us to a point where literally we want to dissolve a relationship that God has put together. Yeah. The, the not, not forgiving is a dumb thing. And um, threatening divorce, which usually not forgiveness, not forgiving will lead to threatening divorce, which that is, that's like, what do you think you're going to accomplish? Like by not forgiving them and getting a harder heart, and um, so you're going to try to bind them to the issue that you didn't like. And that is going to help you get beyond that issue? No. Hey, could, would, you tell not, us, would you tell a story? A good story. Which one? Well, the one of you throwing me in the snow? No, or? no, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I saved her life. Um, <laughs> How about, how about the story with the rose? That's after you heard. <laughs> the, the witch? The rose. Well, I came home from a board meeting. Oh. You were. Oh, the rose. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we'll close with this okay. story. Uh, I'm asking her to tell this story. See, not another one because you've already heard some of you've already heard this story. You, I don't want her confessing any of my new sins. 
<laughs> okay. Well, first I got to finish the point about threatening divorce. That fuels insecurity and distrust. So if you want insecurity and distrust and feeling miserable, just do these dumb things. <laughs> and don't forgive them. And, and so anyway, I... I I've been a Christian for a long time, and I know the Word of God says to forgive. So, I'm, you know, I wasn't on purpose really trying to hold things against my husband. But he had a few things that I was keeping on my list of things that I thought he would probably someday want to know. Like, have I, have I, what have I done ever wrong or, you know, what mistakes have I made or what do I need to apologize for? And, and you got to know that a woman usually sees a, an apology as a really heartfelt, I'm sorry and did I hurt you and I want to understand and I'm so sorry. Emotional repentance on your kind knees. of things. On your knees kind of thing. And, and um, a man very often will think, sorry, <laughs> is a true apology. But that doesn't even count. <laughs> and, and most women don't even count it. So when the husband thinks he's apologized, she's still waiting for it. And so maybe he did apologize for some things, but I was still waiting for it. So I kind of was, was keeping this. I, while I thought I was forgiving him, I was also keeping a list. <laughs> And, and didn't really realize how many lists <laughs> that, I was, that was stacking up, kind of like a, 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 a book of journals, just this stack back here. And well, one, one um, day, really, really, you know, one of those mom days with kids and, and pressure and everything, and, and um, the, I gotta get the dishes done before I go to sleep. I'm really tired, I gotta get up early. He's at a meeting, and, and I'm just like, just worn out. And he comes in the door, and is this the story? Yeah, it's the story. Okay, and, <laughs> and he comes in the door, and he comes up behind me, and he wraps his arms around me. Oh, I love you, he gives him a kiss. Too bad you're not ready for bed. And then he goes to bed. <laughs> And I just, I just made a choice. <laughs> I chose the path of the rumble bumps. I, I just decided that that wasn't nice and that that was wrong. And so he had wronged me and I was right to be wronged. There's a lot of husbands that would have noticed they could come and help finish the dishes. And, and go to bed together. Or, you know, I mean, I just, my mind was just going, you can imagine, just lickety-split with these things. And, and that one thought led to another thought. And pretty soon I'm reading this list off the, out of my gunny sack, the sack backpack. I'm like, oh, yeah, and remember when he didn't do this? And remember he didn't notice that? And he let me carry in the groceries, and he didn't, that, that was proof he didn't love me, and this he didn't. And so I, I don't know. It's just kind of like maybe a demon was on my shoulder. Well, something was just dumping the things at me, just right and left. And, and, and I just, in my unforgiveness, my heart 
was feeling awful hard, so I didn't care about him needing sleep. And I'm banging the dishes, <laughs> turning on the water, making all kinds of noise, and, and I get the dishes done, and the bathroom is off the bedroom. And so I go in there, and I turn on the water, and I brush my teeth, and I slam the toilet seat down. That he should, If he loved me, he would have put the toilet seat down. So, so I slam the toilet seat down, and... You know, and there's just this stuff that just, it's like unforgiveness is not private. It doesn't just, when you decide to unforgive, it, it triggers anger. And I'm, I'm not normally an angry person, but I decided to get angry that night, and it really can happen. Um, and, and so, you know, just because I had that list of things that, that it didn't matter how many times I thought I had forgiven him. I had that list, and, and it, was, it was just like a tornado, a hurricane blowing around in my heart and my mind, and, and I finished the dishes, uh, and I finished cleaning up in there, and I go to, I don't just slide quietly in bed. He, I jump in bed and, you know, think that maybe it would knock him out of bed, and, and, and then we could, and I'm looking over them, at him, and he is laying there peacefully, just laying there with his hands together on his chest and happy, content look on his face, and 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 that made me more mad. <laughs> you can get mad because when there's nobody to be mad with, it's just like what a waste. And and so I'm like, I am really angry, and he is asleep. And I mean, I wanted to just, you know, we got to have a fight or something. I've got all this. <laughs> and I don't know that we'd ever fought, but in my mind, I was figuring out how to do it. <laughs> and, and, you know, but he wouldn't wake up and he was sound asleep. And so I laid back and, and then I started thinking, oh, now I can't get to sleep. Anger <laughs> makes you mean, rude, um, and unforgiving, it hardens your heart, you're not nice, and then you can't go to sleep when you're angry. <laughs> it, was, it just robbed me of being able to sleep. And it, that was his fault. Everything was his fault. It was all his fault because I was so upset it was his fault. And now because I couldn't get to sleep, it was going to be his fault that I d didn't get enough sleep. You know, And it was just going on. And finally, somewhere in there, God just got a hold of my, me and silenced me, my thoughts, and said, well, now what has that accomplished? And I thought, well, nothing good. This is not working. You know, the wonderful relationship that I want with my husband, this is not going to get it. And, and the love I wanted him to show me by loving me enough to be sensitive about things that, that hurt me, you know, I wasn't going to get it by being mad at him. Um, I mean, who wants to be nice to somebody who's a jerk? But it's easy to be nice to somebody who's forgiving and honors you and, and releases you from your past mistakes. Um, that'll melt your heart. But I wasn't in the melt-his-heart mood. And, but God is correcting me and telling me, you know, just... just you should forgive him the way I forgave you. And I, I started thinking about how God forgave me before I even asked. And, and then 
I started thinking about how many times I had made mistakes and how Dwayne had forgiven me. And I had even heard him in a sermon or somewhere, I don't know, in front of people, someone who said, oh, my wife is so perfect. I, I know I'm not perfect. It's just forgetful. <laughs> and, and, um, and yet I thought, you know, for him to be able to make that choice to forgive me and forget it and be able to call me perfect, that's, that's forgiveness. That's a tender heart. And so I laid there with my hard heart, and I'm so convicted. I'm like, okay, God, I am really sorry. Um, thank you for forgiving me. And I ask God, give me the grace, and I just forgive him. I forgive him for everything. If he never even knows, I didn't know I was going to use this in an illustration, but if he even ever never knows that, that there were things that I wanted uh, him to say I'm sorry for, <laughs> I forgive him. It's gone. I just erase the past, throw it away. And um, I really felt, you know, the peace come on me. And, and then I looked over at him. And the truth was, I had worked up such a, a wall there. I looked at him, and he was just kind of like a bump on the bed. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of feelings. I mean, so the act of choosing to forgive didn't suddenly fill me with this amorous feelings of, for my husband. So I thought, i got to give thanks. i got to thank God for him. What do I thank God for? And um, when you're hard-hearted, when you're unforgiving, you lose sight of the beautiful things that, like he said, you know, you can't see clearly, and you lose sight of those beautiful things you have to uh, be thankful for. And I laid there. The truth was, at that moment, I couldn't think of anything to be thankful for. <laughs> it was terrible. And so I remember looking and thinking, you know, I like his brown eyes. Thank you, Lord, for giving him brown eyes. At that time, he had brown hair, too. Thank you for his brown hair. And thank you for, and, you know, one thank you led to another thank you. I thank you. He's such a good dad. I thank you he does this. Oh, thank you he rototills the garden. Oh, God, I thank you that he takes care of the cars and the lawn. And, God, I thank you that he's such a good, he, he just opens up the word of God, and he's such a good teacher, and I thank, I thank you for this, and I thank you for that. And pretty soon it was just, it was tumbling like a waterfall of all the things I was thankful for. And I, I remember turning over and looking at him, and while like 10 minutes before I'd wanted to shove him out of bed to fight, <laughs> now I looked at him, I thought, oh my goodness, I wish he'd wake up and hug me. We could play. And I'm just like, oh my, I love him. I love him. He's so amazing, and he's wonderful. And, and, but I share all this because it is really, you are the one that has the choice of what you do with your heart. Your spouse can and will make mistakes. And you can let them be like weeds to just put roots down. You can keep track. Um, you know, I just thank God that, that I got rid of that pile of, of things and that we could walk free of that. And it's so much better. You cannot get to the wonderful marriage, the great relationships you, that you want. And if anybody's in here single, you can't have a good relationship with coworkers if you're unforgiving. You can't think, well, I'll quit this job because these people here are jerks, and I'll go work over here and, and have a wonderful job, but you have carrying around unforgiveness in your pocket. Unforgiveness in your pocket is like poop. <laughs> I mean the stinky dog poop <laughs> in your pocket. 
And, and you, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to leave that there. I don't have to forgive them because they're so, they don't deserve it. But I'll just live my life out of this pocket and all will be sunny and glorious. You try to go into another job, you try to get a, 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 another marriage or something, that, that stuff in that pocket is going to stink up your life. And I just want to encourage every single person here, um, old and young, married, unmarried, that anything that you have in your heart where you have not forgiven anybody of anything, even forgiven yourself, you need to forgive. That it might as well take this opportunity right now you want and pray, you forgive. You want to pray a minute? Yes. And then I'm going to do an invitation. Okay. Okay. Well, Lord, we look to you to grant us repentance that we might acknowledge the truth about any area of unforgiveness in our hearts so we can come to our senses. Oh, God, so we can resist, we can refuse to let that hook of destruction to continue in our lives in any way. We release in Jesus' name everybody that intentionally or unintentionally has hurt us in any way. We forgive them. Might not, it doesn't make what they did right, but it makes you the one to make things right. We release them, and we thank you, God, for purifying and cleansing our hearts from all that would um, stink up our lives. We just invite your love and your grace and your mercy um, to fill us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say, and as every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I was thinking today how I was brought up in church. I knew about God. I knew about the resurrection. But what I didn't have was a relationship with God. And I remember so clearly when somebody asked me, do you want to be forgiven and know you're right with God? And I thought, well, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to know that they're forgiven and they're right with God? And today, if, if you're here or you're watching online and you say, I know about God, but I know in my heart I'm not right with God and I want to be right with God. We're going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer. But if you're that person who says, I don't know I'm right with God, and I want to be right with God, I want you to listen. If you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. See, the Bible says that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to. And if you'll pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. So I'm going to ask everybody to make these words your own. Just repeat this prayer out loud. Just say, oh, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. And I believe that he rose again and that he paid for my sins. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I am going to live for him. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not living for myself any longer. I receive Jesus 
as my king, as my Lord, and my life is his. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that my past is gone and that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.